Pro wrestling fans, welcome to this week's edition of Dork Side of the Ring. It's the podcast where your nerdy obsession with professional wrestling, it's not only tolerated, it is celebrated. I am Matt Marbury, riding solo again this week. Uh, Adam's back from his Nashville trip. We took in a lot of wrestling uh, over the weekend, and unfortunately... Uh, my co-host and cousin is uh, waiting on some COVID results, uh, but we're going to trudge on here, and hopefully he'll be back next week. I'm sure he'll be back next week. Um, he's, he's Don't worry about him. Feeling fine. His wife popped a positive test, so he took one, had a positive, had a negative, went to the lab, waiting on the results. Um, we're just trying to stay safe, so whatever. Um, as we sit down for the 118th time, it is... June 29th, 2022, and on this day in pro wrestling history, 1986, this is a fun one, the AWA announces that since world champion Stan Hansen refused to wrestle Nick Bockwinkle in Denver, Colorado, Hansen was being stripped of the title and Bockwinkle was being named the new champion. In truth, behind the scenes, Stan Hansen had already been booked to defend the AWA World Heavyweight title on all Japan pro wrestling shows in July, and Hansen was very loyal to Giant Baba and all Japan pro wrestling. He would not give the belt back. Um, He, quote, defended it on the tour uh, since Baba was advertising it, and then afterwards was so pissed off, ran it over with his truck, and then mailed the bent-up title to Vern Gagne, they had already given a replacement title to Nick Bockwinkel. Uh, they they then gave this mangled version, I guess, to Nick Bockwinkel, who had it completely restored uh, to its former glory. But I always like to hear about these, you know, behind the scenes uh, tiffs, if you will, between pro wrestlers. But I totally get that. I mean, if you're in good with Giant Baba and All Japan Pro Wrestling, you know that he has advertised that the AWA World Championship is going to be defended on this tour. You don't want to drop it. Like you're 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 loyal to this guy. So that's what happened. 1992. Dr. Tom Pritchard defeats Brian Christopher for the USWA Southern Heavyweight title in Memphis, Tennessee to win that title. Uh, that title was vacated a week earlier when a match between the two ended in a no contest, which I think is weird. Like if a match ends in a no contest, shouldn't the champion just, you know, retain the title? Uh, This began Pritchard's fifth title reign, and then on the same show, Jerry Lawler and Jeff Jarrett defeated the Moondogs to win the USWA Tag Team titles, so a lot going on there. 1999, the Hardy Boys defeat Farouk and Bradshaw for the WWF World Tag Team title in Fayetteville, North Carolina. I think it's funny reading that because as we go through our Retro Raw review, um, the Hardy Boys, which we've seen, we've seen them on Raw, but they've basically just been enhancement talent. Um, we've seen Farouk and Bradshaw again on Raw, but they're in completely different roles. So it's funny to see that a year from now, um, Bradshaw and Farouk are tag team champions and dropping the titles to the Hardy Boys. So they must come on House of Fire there to win those titles. 
2000, Poison Sawada Black creates the DDT Iron Man Heavy Metal Weight Championship and names himself the first champion. Um, if you don't know anything about DDT promotion in Japan, it's there's a lot of comedy wrestling that goes on there. Um, it's a it's a wacky promotion, if you will. But some big stars have definitely wrestled there. I mean, Kenny Omega, Jim Cornette will still talk about Kenny Omega wrestled a nine year old girl or whatever that happened in DDT. Guys wrestle broomsticks, things like that. Um, but it's kind of funny because this title with that name, you know, the Iron Man Heavy Metal Weight Championship sounds fucking badass, right? Um, instead, it's contested kind of like the WWF Hardcore Championship when it went to the 24-7 rule. And it's contested often in battle royals. But what makes the championship unique is that anyone or anything can win the title. And it does not have to be won via pinball or submission. And this title is still active today. For example, the title has changed hands via rock, paper, scissors, via an auction, uh, in exchange for an autograph, in a magic trick, even in a dream. And title holders include a female newscaster, a model, a monkey, a dog, two stuffed dolls, a baseball bat, three different ladders, a wrestling poster, a steel chair, two inflatable love dolls, a ring truck, a bus, a trash bin, two invisible wrestlers, Vince McMahon's star on the Walk of Fame, and the belt itself. That's right. The belt itself was the 1,000th title holder of the belt. Um, I just think that's super funny. I've never watched any of this stuff, but... It's fu- it's really funny. 2008 WWE held their Night of Champions pay-per-view. Some results. Kofi Kingston defeated Chris Jericho to win the WWE Intercontinental Championship. Mark Henry defeated Kane and The Big Show to win the ECW Championship. And both major titles stuck with their uh, respective holders, Edge and Triple H. 2009, this is a weird story. In Mexico City... Alberto Perez Jimenez and his twin brother Alejandro were found dead in a hotel room. The brothers, who wrestled as La Parquita and Esperito II, were only 34 years old. And it turns out they were approached by two prostitutes after a show. And then in the hotel, they were served alcoholic drinks mixed with eye drops, which I always thought based on the movie Dumb and Dumber, just made you have to shit your pants violently. But uh, apparently the idea was that the drinks would knock them out, giving the ladies enough time to rob them of their belongings, including their money, their cell phones. But because of their size, uh, four foot nine for Alberto and four foot seven for Alejandro, the drinks proved fatal. They died. Ladies were arrested three weeks later. And get this, um, the ages on these gals. 65 and 44. Like I get, I feel like 44 for a prostitute. You got to be on your way out 65. I cannot fucking believe you're still in the game. Uh, but it turns out that they're part of a crime syndicate, which sounds like a wrestling faction called La Flirtation. Tell me that's not a fucking TNA stable. Um, these gals were sentenced to 47 years. And one of the guys, I think it was Alejandro had a small stint, poor choice of words there, Um, a short, no, 
a minor stint in the WWF as Mini Mankind, which we've seen, you know, not that long ago on the Retro Raw reviews, maybe within the last year or so. 2011, TNA taped a pilot for a show called All Wheels Wrestling. Never heard of it. Um, it's a motorcycle pro wrestling hybrid that to date was never sold as a series despite negotiations with the Speed Network and Fuel TV. I've never once heard of a, uh, a show called All Wheels Wrestling. I don't even know what the fuck that would pertain or what they would do on that show. Like, are they going to have motocross guys wrestle or... Maybe that's where AJ Styles started wrestling with the gloves. I don't know. It's, it's just a weird concept. 2014, WWE presented Money in the Bank from the Boston Garden. Some results from that one. The Usos defeated the Wyatt family, which was Bray, or no, not Bray. It was uh, Luke Harper and uh, Eric Redbeard, Eric Rowan. Um, they retained the tag team titles. Seth Rollins defeated RVD, Jack Swagger, Dolph Ziggler, Kofi Kingston, and Dean Ambrose to win the Money in the Bank briefcase. We know he would cash in at WrestleMania 30, question mark, 31, um, in that Braun, or that Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns match. Hell of a moment there. Um, also, John Cena defeated Sheamus, Bray Wyatt, Alberto Del Rio, Cesaro, Randy Orton, Roman Reigns and Kane in a ladder match to win the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. I, you know, I was definitely watching at this time. It's kind of strange that you would have a contract, you know, obviously that Money in the Bank is a ladder match. It's kind of weird that you would contest the Raw or the WWE World Heavyweight Championship also in a ladder match. Um, but apparently that's what happened. Birthdays. Adam's not here to guess, but we got Serena Deeb, who we just saw on Rampage against our girl Sierra in a tag team match. Serena Deeb is 36, and I can't believe that. You know, when you think about the stuff that she did with CM Punk and Luke Gallows and the Straight Edge Society and stuff, that was 2010, probably, or something like that. So that's 12 years ago. You're telling me she was 24? That's nuts, man. Um, She's going strong in AEW, 36. And Johnny Saint, who is a renowned English professional wrestler, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I think he is still the general manager of NXT UK. But Johnny Saint is 81 today. Happy birthday. It's now time for the Retro Raw Review. All right, Retro Raw this week. It's the June 29th, 1998 episode from the Gund Arena in Cleveland, Ohio, which holds 20,000 people, if you can believe that. This place was packed to the rafters. Um, it just shows what a good state the wrestling business or, you know, wrestling business in general, but especially WWF was at this time. I mean, they would kill to pack 20,000 people in a Raw for a Raw show these days. Um, show takes place on the night after King of the Ring. Uh, there's some changes in the air in the WWF. Kane is your new world champion. Ken Shamrock is your new King of the Ring as he defeated The Rock in the tournament finals. And Mankind has also etched his name in the history books after the showing he had against The Undertaker inside Hell in a Cell. That's one of those things where 
everybody remembers that match, even if it's just those two huge bumps or even just the one where he gets tossed off that you remember. Uh, there's not a wrestling fan that has seen that match or even any, you know, a person that has seen that match that can't like visually pull that up in their mind or maybe even, maybe even hear Jim Ross in your head, you know, by God, he's broken in half. Um, it's just something that sticks with you forever. Um, we also have some debuts. We got the start of a very unique tournament. This is a pretty, pretty, um, landmark episode of Monday Night Raw. I'll just say that. Uh, Vince McMahon's heading to the ring with Commissioner Slaughter to get things started. He's also with Gerald Briscoe, and uh, Jim Ross says that Pat Patterson is not there. Jim Ross sends his condolences to Pat for the loss he has suffered, and he's referring to Louie. Um, despite the fact that Pat Patterson came out as being gay on the Legends House, a lot of people saw that. It was one of those things where people in the business knew and were totally okay with. And Pat Patterson was worried that people weren't going to accept him for it. But everybody kind of knew what Pat's deal was, and everybody did accept him for it. And, you know, I'm not going to come out here and say that, you know, everybody out there, if you come out, everybody's going to accept you for it. There's some shitheads out there, and and it's not going to work that way. But there are people are definitely... There are people that will definitely support you and definitely love you um, for who you are. Love what you love. We talk about that in wrestling. You know, watch what you like. Uh, that's a big thing with uh, the We Watch Wrestling Boys. Matt, shout out to Maddie McSee. I did not see him this last weekend. I did run into Vince Averill briefly. Um, but like what you like and shut the fuck up is one of their mottos. And um, that that pertains here too. So yeah, rest in peace, Louie. Vince, Vince McMahon says we've entered a new era in the WWF. Says that a new champion has vanquished the WWF of the beer chugging, the inappropriate hand gestures, the foul language of the former champ. He brings Kane to the ring. Kane, a man that has never tasted alcohol or said a bad word, according to Vince McMahon. Paul Bearer says that the WWF is indeed a place where dreams can come true. That Kane would watch WWF superstars on Saturday mornings, look at his brother, and want to be him. Uh, Paul says that today in this ring, Kane has surpassed The Undertaker, and that the dead man is actually in Kane's shadow. Vince goes to put the title around Kane's waist. Glass breaks. Stone Cold Steve Austin's heading to the ring. He's definitely got beef with, uh, with the way the match ended the night before at King of the Ring. So if you didn't see this, um, it was a first blood match between Kane and Austin. Of course, there was some fuckery. Uh, there was the hell in the cell, like got lowered and then raised, and it was kind of like half up, half down. Uh, but basically, the Undertaker comes out, and uh, I don't know why I said it like the Undertaker. The Undertaker comes out, and it looks like he's trying to waffle Kane with the steel chair. Kane ducks. Austin takes a huge chair shot, starts bleeding. The ref comes to. Kane technically was bleeding first, but the referee, when he came to, saw Austin just wearing a crimson mask and rang the bell, awarded the championship to Kane. So Austin's pissed off because, yeah, he got busted open the night before, but it wasn't Kane that did it. It was The Undertaker. Um, <laughs> Kane wasn't the, uh, yeah. Austin then demands a rematch here tonight with Kane for that title. And Vince kind of says it's up to Paul Bear. Paul Bear then just defers to Kane. 
But Austin grabs the mic and kind of goats Kane into the match. Vince is beside himself. He does not want, you know, he just got that title belt off of Austin. The last thing he wants is for it to be at risk again one day later. Uh, but that's going to be your main event on the show. Match number one, Darren Drozdoff versus Steven Regal. And this is the first time we see Steven Regal in the WWF. Um, I looked it up because I wanted to see where this landed as far as, you know, we've heard about Steve Regal having the problem with Goldberg during Goldberg's streak where, you know, Steve maybe stretched him a little bit or worked a little stiff, shot on him a little bit, if you will, and uh, made Goldberg look kind of stupid. Regal maintains that he was told to have a competitive match, uh, but they basically, I thought they fired him immediately. And they might have, but he, it's about six months later that he finally shows up here in the WWF. Sable's the one that introduces Regal. She takes a seat at the announce desk. JR's grilling her about the circumstances of her return to the company. Regal gets the win after a second rope suplex, followed by the Regal stretch. Darren Drozdoff, you know, he's only a couple weeks in. He's already, he's already losing on Raw, so... Kind of shows you what they had in store for him. After that, the new king of the ring, Ken Shamrock, is in the ring for a terrible fucking promo. Um, it, it's, I know he's probably not reading off a teleprompter. I don't know how he possibly would, but he, <laughs> it's like robotic the way he's talking. Um, he gives the rock his props, says that their business is not over. Owen Hart interrupts, challenges Ken, King versus King. Ken, Ken accepts, but then Triple H shows up on the stage. He wants in a triple threat to determine the King of Kings. So you have the 95, the 97, and now the 98 King of the Ring um, going head-to-head-to-head to head to head in a triple threat match that's going to happen later in the show. My wife, Kendra, she's like, at one point she goes, get that man off the mic. Like She was just tooling around on her phone while I'm watching this, and even she's like, dude, this guy is a terrible fucking promo. Match number two, Marvelous Mark Merrill versus Steve Blackman. And this is the first match we see of the Brawl for All, the storied Brawl for All. You can see a lot of this stuff on the uh, Dark Side of the Ring episode that they did on Vice. They did a whole episode on the Brawl for All. What a terrible idea it was. It's basically a hybrid between boxing and wrestling. Um, you, They have judges. It is scored. Um, I think the the criteria was most punches landed um, gets you like five points for a round. Uh, takedown might be five points, and then a knockout, of course, ends the fight. But it's but it's one minute. It's three one minute rounds with either a minute or or thirty seconds in between. Um, they got <laughs> they have uh, who is it? Danny Hodge. Out there is the referee, like a notorious tough man. Blackman wins this first match pretty easily on the back of several double leg takedowns. Like he he understood that like he could just take Mark Merrow down constantly and just keep racking up the points. And Mark Merrow, Golden Gloves boxer, but that doesn't really help you when a guy is just taking you to the mat constantly and then getting you stood back up and then taking you to the mat again. And it basically you knew that Blackman had the first two rounds won. So Merrow like had to go for a knockout in round three, and Blackman just kind of played defense. It was not it was not that great. Crowd, they kind of were into it at first, but then they got increasingly dead, and they're probably just a little bit confused. Like there was no hyping up 
we didn't know this was going to happen. There was no tease of this or anything like that. So I think they were just a little caught off guard by it. Then we go to Kevin Kelly, who's with Kane. He asks why he accepted the challenge. Kane said that he accepted because he is the better champion than his brother has ever been. We also see like this, this weirded me out. We see like a biker looking dude making his way into the arena down the ramp, but they don't say who it is. And the, the guy's far enough away that you don't really get a great look at it. And I thought that it might be uh American badass undertaker, but it wasn't, they never pay it off later in the show. Unless there's a guy that another guy that debuts later in the show, but I fucking swear it wasn't him. I don't know. Uh, match number three, Val Venus versus Dick Togo. Val Boski wins it with the money shot. Val gets into it with uh, Yamaguchi-san after the match because Val was eyeing up Mrs. Yamaguchi-san. I don't know if that's how you would say that. Who was sitting at ringside. Then the war zone's going to kick off with that King of Kings match. So it's Triple H versus Owen Hart versus Ken Shamrock. And uh, Ken attacks Owen before the match even starts. Hunter just watches the two go at it for a bit. And eventually they all kind of get at it. The match is pretty damn good. And this is a time where we didn't see a lot of triple threat matches. Now I feel like we're just, you know, flooded with them. There was a, a strange inadvertent bell ring about halfway through. I have no idea what was going on with that. There was interference from China as well as The Rock who leveled Hunter with the Intercontinental Championship. That allowed Ken Shamrock to pick up the pin on Triple H. And the uh, the Nation and DX continue to battle after the bell. And then Lawler says that The Undertaker is heading out for a confession. So they go to break. Back from the break, Michael Cole's in the ring with the dead man. It's not American Badass Undertaker, so I was definitely wrong about that. He's asked why he came to the ring last night. Stuck his nose in the business of that Fatal 4 or that first blood match. And that's the thing, too. People don't think about this, but... King of the Ring 1998, Mankind and Undertaker go through that fucking hellacious Hell in a Cell match. Both of those guys make an appearance in the main event. Like, how the fuck was Mick Foley able to still come down after that match that he had with The Undertaker? Get involved in that Kane-Austin first blood match is beyond me. Like, he must not remember any of that. Um, but Undertaker says that he came down because he was not about to see his little brother set himself on fire, no matter how much they dislike each other. And I get that says that he did what he had to do. Vince comes out on the stage, says that Taker did it because he thinks that he can beat Kane. And on the other side of the coin, he doesn't think he can beat stone cold. Steve Austin. Vince then offers a warning to the Undertaker to keep his nose out of the WWF championship match tonight or else there will be repercussions. Match number five, this is another brawl for all first round match. We got Mark Canterbury versus Bradshaw. Canterbury is the former heavy or Henry Godwin. And man, unlike the earlier match though, they are throwing fucking hands in this one. It was like both guys, I don't know if they were coached up in the back after that first match. Like I could totally see somebody being like, that first match wasn't good. Like we knew, we knew early on that 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 uh, Merrill would need a knockout to win it. So it was kind of a lackluster finish. I wonder if something wasn't said to these guys, but maybe they're just big, two big hosses too. 
Uh, but these guys were were not really going for the takedowns. They were more willing to just sit there and trade hands. Uh, but it does go to the cards. Bradshaw wins it on points. After that, we got the LOD 2000. They're out with no Sonny. Sonny is MIA. They grab the mic. They bring out the man that took them to the mountaintop so many times. Precious Paul Ellering. And Hawk hands the mic to Paul, but as soon as he starts talking, the DOA, they're quick to interrupt. They hop, they they ride down to the ring on those Titan motorcycles. Um, they hop in the ring, and then Ellering gets to finish his thought. He says that he would like to introduce us to his new team, the Disciples of Apocalypse. Complete setup. The bikers kick the shit out of the LOD, and apparently Paul Ellering is leading the helm there with those uh with the uh, with the DOA. Before the main event, Kevin Kelly asks The Undertaker if he plans on heading to the ring or if he's going to heed that warning of Vince McMahon. And he offers up a simple statement. Nobody tells him what to do. So there we are, match number six. It's the main event. Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Kane for the WWF Championship. And Steve is a house of fire in this one. Like, we've never seen anyone take it to Kane like this. Vader might have gotten a little bit of offense in, but for the first, I don't know, half of the match, Steve is, like, kicking the shit out of Kane. Eventually, Kane does get the upper hand. Paul Bearer even hits Austin with his shoe. (laughs) Uh, Undertaker comes to the ring, but he only watches. He's only there to observe. Kane gets dropped with a stunner after a really great sequence where... Austin gets like wiggles out of the tombstone, bounces off the rope, goes to kick Kane in the gut. Kane blocks that, goes for the choke slam. Austin blocks that, and then finally gets the stunner. It was a it was a good a good sequence. Austin gets the win, and even drops Undertaker with the with a stunner. So we have a new WWF champion. One day after Kane wins it, he drops it. Steve celebrates on the ramp, flips off both the brothers. And then we did get a little bit of extra attitude this week. Um, Undertaker did beat up Kane. Uh, Paul Bear is absolutely beside himself. It was it was a little something, but honestly, we probably probably could have gone without it. I don't know. Sign of the times. I realized I forgot sign of the times last week. Um, I hate Canada. I like when Adam's here. I can go back and forth. Um, this was a clever one because there's a lot of like. Sable, suck it, or, you know, what? I don't know. This one said, Sable, you left your toothbrush at my house. So it implies something, but it's not uh, It's not crass. Flair watches Raw, which I liked because this is during the time where Flair's having his uh, fallout with Eric Bischoff. Vince, you silly bastard, which I think could be in the crowd at, um, you know, a Raw this next week, the way Vince McMahon keeps coming out. Ted Turner is a crook which I think was on the opposite side of the Vince, you silly bastard sign, which I like. Um, and finally, who's Bischoff blowing? <laughs> who? 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 Next up, it's time to go into the darkness. It's a news segment. It's a part of the show where we talk about what's coming your way in the world of wrestling figures and collectibles. We also discuss any items that have recently made their way into our personal collections. All right, not a complete collapsible segment this week, uh, but 
I also don't have, actually, I think I only have one item. I'm not going to do new arrivals. I'll wait till Adam's actually here so he can uh, see them, describe them, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but we do have a Macho Man Micro Brawler that's up for pre-order on ProWrestlingTees.com. It's going to run through, I believe, it's going to run through, I think, July 4th, July 7th. I don't know. It started today. So hop on there. It's $19.99 with free shipping. And it is the, you know, USA version of Macho Man. What I like about it, it's a completely different mold from those like six or seven that we got. Um, it has like the cowboy hat and the fringe. You know, it's the classic USA Macho Man. And yeah, $19.99 plus free shipping. No chase in that one. But go over there and cop that. While you're at it, cop yourself a dork side of the ring t-shirt. We're still selling those on there. We got three awesome designs. We got our classic podcast logo the one that you see when you download this show wherever you download it and hey wherever you download it if you could give us a rating and a review uh tell a friend we're trying to grow this damn thing while you're at that hop on the facebook join the facebook group dork side of the ring podcast for every hundred members we're going to do a giveaway and uh a little birdie told me that we are literally one person away from another hundred so uh we could we could we could enter everybody in the drawing if we can get some uh, some more folks in there, and I would I would appreciate it. You would have my you would have my gratitude. Um, but yeah, check out our shirts up at prowrestlingtees.com. Check out the podcast wherever you get these. And uh, I always forget to kind of shill. Shilling seems weird to me sometimes, but shilling's important. So um, I got to get better at that. Um, but yeah, that's the, that's the only real bit of news I have. I saw zombie sailor toys has like, he has, I think the shipments of heels and faces series one have cleared customs. I believe he has them in his possession as I'm speaking right now and is probably going to start shipping them out tomorrow. So whatever the time frame is on that, possibly, I know Adam didn't order the entire set of series one, but I'm pretty sure he at least got Sabu. And Earl Hebner, maybe. Uh, but I would love to. I hope Adam opens them. I think he will. Uh, I'd love to get one of those figures in my hand. I don't think I've ordered any except the Dan Housen, which is in Series 2. Um, but maybe Adam will have those. I have a few things, but I'll, like I said, I'll get I'll get to those next week on the Into the Darkness show. Oh, um, I saw another Foco bobblehead, Roddy Roddy Piper. Um, up for pre-order over there. I think the the edition is seven hundred and twenty, maybe fifty five bucks, something like that. But they're cranking those suckers out, and I think, I think I'm gonna pull the trigger on those on those nineteen nineties minis, um, and maybe the eighties minis too. I just, I really do. The more I look at those things, because they show up on my Facebook feed constantly, uh, the more I the more I think I I need to have those in my life. So we'll see. The Wrestling Stew is where we can discuss anything that has hit our wrestling radar since last week. Television, podcast, Twitter, all ingredients are welcome in the Wrestling Stew. I've never seen a fellow yet when you got the thing properly applied that you couldn't uh, make his eyeballs bloodshot for maybe sometimes five or six weeks or so with the red... All right, so uh, when I spoke to you guys last week, I kind of laid out the the plan. I had a lot of wrestling to catch, 
And I, so I, I literally stopped recording last week and hours later was sitting at AEW Dynamite in Milwaukee. Drove up there with Adam's father-in-law, Don the Geek, we call him. And it's always cool to see what I always like to get in to these AEW shows early. I say that always. I've, I've only been to a handful. Um, and the pay-per-views, they don't do this. But if you're going to a Dynamite taping, get there early because they tape some matches for AEW Dark. And you're going to see local talent that uh, if you're a fan of independent wrestling in your area, you're probably going to see some of the people that you know, that you cheer for in these smaller venues, and they're going to get a crack um, on the AEW stage. They usually don't get an entrance or anything like that. They do get, they do get introduced, uh, but we saw a bunch, of, a bunch of familiar faces, which was very cool. Um, Joey Avalon, shout out to him. He got a great reaction. There was a huge Joey chant. Um, I can't remember who he tagged with off the top of my head, but they went up against uh, Team Taz, Powerhouse Hob and Absolute Ricky Starks. And the the cheers were so loud for Joey that I think they were almost intentionally not getting him in the ring, or I don't know, but he got a huge reaction. Shout out to that guy. Um, he's always been very nice to me. And we saw, who else did we see? We saw Heather Reckless. She had a match. Um, the Filth King. I can't remember his name. He's a Chicago dude. Vic Capri, another Chicago guy. I know I'm forgetting some other ones. Um, but they all had dark matches, which is very cool. Brian Danielson opened up the show with the announcement that I said last week. I'm like, this is going to go one of two ways, and I'm a little scared about it. And it wasn't terrible news, but it also wasn't great news. Um, he was not medically cleared for Forbidden Door or Blood and Guts, said that he did have a replacement in mind, the perfect replacement in mind that not only could best Zack Sabre Jr. in a battle of you know technical wrestling, but also take his place on Wednesday, uh, tonight as I'm recording this, I haven't seen it yet, um, at Blood and Guts where the Blackpool Combat Club is going to do be- uh, battle with the Jericho Appreciation Society. Um, so that, that immediately got the wheels turning to everybody. The, the first name I said, Claudio, um, I was hearing people banter about with, you know, a Jonathan Gresham, which to me that checks the box of the, you know, the technical wrestler, but not so much the box of the, you know, the blood and guts, not that Cesaro or Claudio is a, a blood and guts wrestler, but to me, it just didn't seem like that didn't seem like the place that Jonathan Gresham was going to land. Um, I thought it was weird that they didn't announce it because, you know, at, I understand forbidden door was sold out, but you're still trying to sell pay-per-view buys. I mean, that thing was available on bleacher report, um, as well as, you know, standard cable pay-per-view and, and you should be trying to move units. So I, I think it's kind of a little bit weird that you didn't trot Claudio out on, on dynamite. Maybe it was a little more of a last minute decision, um, or maybe you already had enough shit going on on dynamite. Cause there was a lot that you didn't want to trot him out as well, but it was kept a mystery until, until, uh, the forbidden door pay-per-view, um, Malachi black versus Penta Oscuro was incredible. Um, it's crazy. We, we said it last week. We knew who was going to win that match based on backstage politics between, you know, New Japan Pro Wrestling and AAA. We knew that Penta was not going to be on that show. So 
Malachi Black had to win that match, but fuck if it wasn't an awesome match. Um, and there was, it's crazy because there was times where I thought Penta was going to pull it out. Like he hit fear factor on the apron. And if, if he doesn't roll to the, he, I think he rolled off the apron. If he rolls the other way, like how is that not a wrap? Like eventually Malachi black hits him with that. It used to be called the black mass in WWE. Uh, but that spinning back kick and he finally got the win, but that was a fucking hell of a match. Um, Christian Cage's promo, super hot. Um, uh, why he did it, what he did, uh, against jungle boy. I love, <laughs> I love, I forgot to touch on it last week, but the fact that like, I, I mentioned that jungle boy's mother was in the audience, but I forgot the fact that like Christian walked up to her and, and it was like, you raised a piece of shit. <laughs> like, how do you, how do you say that? And then he cuts that promo on, on dynamite in Milwaukee which we had killer seats for. We were we were opposite hard cam, um, not on the floor, but in the next level up, like, I don't know, four rows. And we were maybe a section or so off to the right. Um, so we didn't get a lot, you know, we didn't get television exposure, but we had a great view of all the action. Um, but yeah, Doug, Doug the shit out of that. I thought it was kind of weird that the precipice of the promo was this guy you know, eliminated me from a battle Royal in my debut. And I'm going to, I'm going to buddy up to his faction and wait all this time, bide my time to find the right opportunity to turn on him. I, I liked the, just going with, you know, he, and he did say, you know, the one time that I don't accompany them to the ring, they lose the tag team championships. I would have just went with the, like the guy couldn't fucking win a match. The guy didn't have the killer instinct, something like that. I thought the fact that, you know, Jungle Boy eliminated me from a battle royal a year and a half ago. was was a little weird, but whatever. I, his promo was fucking awesome. Silas Young, another local guy, the last real man. He's a Milwaukee dude, former Ring of Honor television champion. He got some TV time against Hangman, and that was a fucking great showing for the last real man. And then the, you know, hangman goes over, but then Okada comes out afterwards and that's just icing on the cake. And in the arena, you know, you hear that coin, it's not a coin flip. I don't know. You hear the sound of a coin. It's like, ting, you know, Okada's music. And it was just like a holy shit moment. He's here. I wish he would have came out in gear. Thought he was, you know, him coming out in like sweatpants and a plain t-shirt was a little bit weird, but. I guess you're not going to gear up completely unless you have a match, but I don't know. He's got such a cool coat and shit that I would have liked that. Um, Will Ospreay and the Aussie Open versus Orange Cassidy and Rapungi Vice. Awesome match. Will Ospreay continues to just just win me over. Um, Tanahashi and Mox versus Jericho and Lance Archer closed out the show. And that was a hell of a match too. And that ends in this huge melee and I liked the the crowd was somewhat. I don't know how it came across on TV because I haven't gone back and watched this this main event. But in the arena, you know, you got melee just happening all over the place between Jericho's dudes and um, just just all these guys. And at the at the same time, Tanahashi and Moxley are just staring each other down in the ring, and it feels like eight minutes go by. And it's hard to kind of keep track of all the action that's going on, but that's that's how dynamite goes off the air. And then 
after that, right after that, you know, they change out the, the canvas and the turnbuckle pads and all that. And it takes them about 15 minutes. And now we're on to, to rampage and rampage, I guess is technically the, the real go home to forbidden door. So, you know, you're going to see some shit on there too. Um, and the first match on that show, Andrade El Idolo versus Ray Phoenix. That might've been my favorite match of the entire night. Like those guys wrestled their fucking asses off and Ray Phoenix. We talk about it. We, we, we cannot put Ray Phoenix over enough. That guy is fucking incredible. I maintain that he'll like never hold a serious world championship because they're just too scared that with his style, he's going to get hurt every, I don't know if he's just really good at selling injuries or if he's really injured half the time. I don't know, but man, was that match fucking awesome. I, I, I loved it. Um, Roosh debuted afterwards and, um, gave Andrade El Idolo, who was also a triple a wrestler. So he was not on forbidden door. Um, a t-shirt, uh, La Faction Ingobernables, which is, you know, uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling has Los Ingobernables de Japan. Um, maybe a lot of people know, maybe some people know, I don't know, but Roosh and uh, Andrade were both part of that stable. Um, Andrade used to be known as El Sombra in, in AAA. And I, I think it's cool that a little uh, splinter of this Faction has now made its way into AEW, and I'm excited to see where that goes. Then we got to see some local talent, Lainey Luck and uh, our girl Sierra, who I saw so many times this weekend. They fought Serena Deeb and Mercedes Martinez, and I thought they had a pretty fucking good showing. The Sierra chants were pretty good. Um, I'm less familiar with Lainey Luck, but, I mean, I literally ran into Sierra three times this weekend. Um and she's always very nice. Uh, the main event in that one, Jeff Cobb versus Cash Wheeler. That was a very, very fun match. Um, I, du- I dug it a lot. It might it might have crept up to like maybe my second favorite match that I saw that night. I don't know. But the ending of that thing was uh, is an even bigger melee than Dynamite. And I guess, you know, in TV time, you're seeing it days later. But for a crowd, we saw it an hour before, you know, another huge melee. So the crowd was kind of dead for that one. But I love the fact that like Eddie Kingston, oh, we should talk about Eddie Kingston's promo, um, how he wants to taste Jericho's blood. And this. I told Adam in the car, I was like, oh, did you see that promo where Eddie Kingston's like, I want to taste your bitch blood, Chris, or whatever. And apparently that's not exactly what he said, but I, I still dug it. Um, but he shows up at the end of the night and Jericho does, commentary for rampage as you know um (laughs) you see eddie and he grabs a fucking pen from the desk and he's like chasing jericho around trying to stab him with a fucking pen and i have not watched rampage to see how that all played out uh, on tv but in the arena it was another one of those things where there was just shit going on everywhere and eddie eddie and chris did brawl kind of right down by us at one point which is pretty fun um but the reason I did not uh, watch Rampages because Friday night I was busy at ACW Wisconsin. They presented uh, ACW 47. It was a fucking hot one in the Oshkosh Masonic Center. Um, 
both in the ring and uh, just temperature-wise. Like, it was pretty fucking warm in there. Salem Crane opened the show. He showed off his newly won championship. He won it at Water City Wrestling Con in that four-way match. Um, his best friend, Adam Grace, who was also in that match, congratulated him, but also kind of asked for a crack at the title, which Salem Crane's like, you know, absolutely, he's a fighting champion. Justin Dredd, though, invoked his rematch clause. So the main event's going to be set. It was a uh, a rematch. Justin Dredd. I guess it wasn't a rematch. Justin Dredd lost his title in a four way, but he wants his he wants his title shot back. He wants his his uh, pound of flesh from Salem Crane, the freak show killer, if you will. Uh, what else do we see? I'm trying to remember this card. There's a lot of wrestling this weekend. Uh, oh, my boy Drake Daniels. Whoop the shit out of uh, Loverboy, one of the the newer talents that come out of the ACW wrestling school. But Commissioner Josh Weimer said that he had another opponent for Drake, that that was too easy, and he sends out Cypher. Now, if you guys have seen Cypher, uh, or if you haven't seen Cypher, I'll describe him. Um, it's if you put Kane and Abyss in a paint can and shook it up and poured it out. You'd have cipher. That's what I'm going to go with. He comes out to house of pain. It's a good time. Um, I was repping my Drake Daniels t-shirt. I bet I was the only guy in the crowd wearing that Drake Daniels t-shirt, but you know, usually I'm the guy. I like to play the game. Um, I like to cheer for the good guys. I like to boo the bad guys, but every once in a while, you know, a talent comes along, and it's just undeniable. And um, motherfucking Drake Daniels is that guy. I like to I like to cheer for that dude. Um, and Cipher eventually did get the better of him in that one. Uh, but Drake Drake had already had a match. I mean, come on, I'd like to see Jake Drake get pushed into that uh, world title scene over there at ACW. What else did we see? Oh, Sierra cashed in her trophy. Um, they do like a, I can't remember if it was a battle royal style or if it was just like a, a big multi-person match uh, that Sierra won to get her this trophy. But that trophy can be cashed in for an opportunity at any championship in ACW. And she cashed in and she wants a crack at the tag team titles um, her and her boy, Joey Jet Avalon. And I don't think it's at the next show. The Tanner show, I think, is a four-way ladder match for the tag team titles in July. I can't wait for that. Um, but I don't think that they're in that. So maybe they're going to try to pick the bones of of whoever wins that sucker. Um, what else did we see? Oh, ah. Uh, so in the championship match, towards the end, Adam Grace turns on his best friend, hitting Salem Crane with a chair allowing Justin Dredd to regain the ACW championship. Crane's run only about a month long, and uh, the leader of the disregarded, Justin Dredd, once again, your ACW world champion. Um, and Adam Grace, you're going to have some explaining to do. Your, uh, your, your former best friend at this point is going to want... Going to want some repercussion, I guarantee you that. So that was Friday night. Saturday, we checked out a new promotion called No Regrets Wrestling in Baraboo. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. It was at the high school. I took the whole fam. The It was the very first show. So there, there's definitely a little bit of hiccups early on. There was 
There were some audio issues they were having. All in all, the wrestling was good. My kids were uh, getting a little bit antsy, so we did not stay for the full card. Um, but I love to see wrestling. Um, I want to see everybody thrive. And so I, you know, I hope I hope they did well, and I hope they have more shows coming up. But I did not get to check out the whole thing. The next day, Sunday, me and Adam rolled out of town pretty early. Uh, we had to roll into Chicago about one thirty, and uh, our first show was Warrior Wrestling. It was held at the Malcolm X College, right in downtown Chicago. And I thought I had a cheat code at first because they emailed me and they're like. Uh, parking, we got a parking ramp, free parking ramp. And, uh, I was feeling pretty good about myself. Cause I was like, then the, you know, right after that, right across the street is the United center for, for all, no, I was going to say all out forbidden door. Um, I was like, maybe, you know, you can just stay in the free parking lot. Uh, but they said specifically in the email that their lot was going to close at six. You'd have your car out. But no worries, you can move it to the United Center lot, which I'm sure they're going to sock you a bunch of fucking money for. However, the street right in front of the fucking college, free parking all day. I thought it was a fucking dream. I walked up and down the street one time just trying to look at the signs. I'm like, am I going to walk out of here and have a ticket? Like, But no. Um, so basically, I, I, I parked my car. It's mid-afternoon, early afternoon on a Sunday. There was no fucking traffic. Um, parked the car, and I was good till the till the end of the night. I thought for sure I was going to have to pay 50 bucks to park the car. I have gone on too long about parking the car. Um, but no, so we rolled into the, the Malcolm X College. Uh, we knew that there was going to be a women's wrestling show kicking off. I think that they started at 1 and ran till 2. We didn't catch all of that, but... It was pretty funny because walk in and it's not uncommon for somebody to hand you, you know, a flyer or something like that at a wrestling show for another wrestling show in the area or, you know, this company's next show or something like that. But uh, this lady hands me this, this flyer and I like look up and is Maria Canellis. And I mean, Maria Canellis, one of the most beautiful women I've probably ever laid my eyes on. I was just like, hello. And she's like, hello. <laughs> it was just like one of those really weird moments. Um, Chris hero was set up at the table. There was guys selling figures, stuff like that. Um, we had already missed probably half of this, of this show. But as we got in there, it was a tag team match. It was, oh man, it was Sierra. She was definitely, Sierra was in a tag team match. I can't remember who she was tagging with. Uh, she was against Marty Bell and Allison K. After that, we got Janai Kai versus Holly Dead, which is two of Thunder Rosa's gals. Um, and the, the crowd was pretty pumped for it. It was a smaller arena type setting. It was basically a gymnasium. You know, they had floor seating, and then they had um, risers on one side or bleachers, I guess, on one side. And it was it was big enough where you didn't feel completely cramped but small enough where it didn't feel like it was sparsely attended or anything like that. So it was, it was fun. And then warrior wrestling 24 proper started, um, Heather reckless, another local gal versus Miranda Alize, who they dub as the princess of Lucha. And they had a fucking hell of a match. 
Saw Miranda afterwards, um, waiting for an Uber or something like that. Told her she did great. Saw Mike Bennett versus the Beast Man, who comes out with like this gigantic fucking bone. I think he just buys it at Mounds, but um, that was fun. Mike Bennett got the win. That would explain why Maria Canellis was there, I guess. Um, also saw Anna Jay there. Also saw Tasha Steeles there. There's a bunch of bunch of people there. Um, oh, there was a killer six-way Lucha scramble match for a Lucha Contenders medallion. It's basically like a big gold medallion on a chain uh, because Warrior Wrestling has a Lucha championship. They have their, their main championship, and then they have a Lucha championship. And um, Gringo Loco, Chicago guy, defeated Alpha Wolf, ASF, Dragon Bane, Golden Dragon and Ninja Mac in that one. And there was there was a lot of highlight stuff in that one. Um very 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 good. Davy Richards versus Tom Lawler. That thing went like 20 fucking minutes and I thought for sure Tom Lawler was going to pick up the win, but no, he Davy Richards uh pulled it out in that one. And then there was a six-man tag team match. Dante Leone, Myron Reed, and Zachary Wentz. Um, Zachary Wentz is a, one of the Rascals. It was supposed to be a Rascals reunion. Um, they definitely had to shuffle some things around on this card. Several guys had travel issues. Uh, I think a couple of the Rascals were were part of that, so that's why that got shuffled around. Um, they defeated Blake Christian, Fuego Del Sol, and Nick Wayne, who was over as fuck. And, I mean, I've seen Nick Wayne... A bunch now, uh, you know, between all the GCW stuff I've seen, and I still cannot get over the guy's only 16 years old. He's gonna be, I mean, he's gonna be incredible if he if he keeps it up. Uh, Dante Leone's one of my favorite guys. Though. He's a Texas guy, kind of has like a grunge look, um, but but always always goes hard. Ninja Mac, you've seen a lot of Ninja Mac on GCW. I think he signed with Pro Wrestling Noah now. Um, Blake Christian, you see a lot of him on GCW. He's fucking great. He's a former NXT guy. Um, and then after that, the Warrior Wrestling title match, it was supposed to be Casey Navarro versus Speedball Mike Bailey. Mike Bailey had travel issues too, although I saw Veda Scott there. Um, but Casey Navarro defended his championship against Brian Pillman Jr. Um, there was a pretty cool moment uh, before... Before even heading out of the house, I was um, choosing my T-shirt, if you will, before I, before I left the house. And I showed a couple options to my wife. And one of them is that cool-ass liquid blue shirt <clears throat> that you would see Brian Pillman Sr. wear. You know, he wore it under the... I basically have it because I did a little Brian Pillman Jr. cosplay or whatever you want to call it for Mondo Lucha last year. But I have this liquid blue shirt that just looks like this fucking acid dream come to life on a t-shirt. Um, and Kendra's like, well, you, you don't have many op- many opportunities to wear that guy, so maybe you should just wear that guy. So I did, and it was pretty cool because Brian Pillman Jr., you know, as he gets introduced, he's he's hitting the turnbuckles and stuff, and he's looking down at the crowd. He sees my shirt. He fucking points to me and uh, gives respect because he knows that was a the shirt that his pops wore. Casey Navarro, first time I've ever seen that guy, and he was he was very very entertaining. Um, he came out on top in that one. I wasn't anticipating Brian Pillman Jr. to win their championship, especially 
after I don't even think he's in the company. Uh, but I think they had to scramble a little bit after after Speedball wasn't able to show up. So that was that. And then um, right after that was a walk about 100 yards across a parking lot, maybe one street, and huge freaking lines into the United Center. But instead of moving slowly, I don't think they ever stopped. So it really was only about, even though the line was super long, it was only about 10 or 15 minutes in the line. Got inside the United Center for Forbidden Door. Um, I think we were in line for food or something when, uh, cause we hadn't eaten all freaking day. They didn't have any real food options or anything at warrior. I don't think it's a university, so they didn't sell beer. I was pretty sure that was going to be the case. Had a couple, had a couple beers in the parking lot beforehand. Um, but we went for some burgers or something like that at the United center. So we missed, I think the first pre-show match, the first buy-in match, um, I think it was a tag with QT Marshall and uh, Aaron Solo versus Goto and Yoshihashi. So I missed I missed all of that. Got to my seat and saw Nick Camarado versus Lance Archer. I will never not be impressed when Lance Archer does that walk the rope moonsault fucking thing. That is bananas to me. Um, really, the show I haven't seen any star ratings or anything like that but every match seemed to deliver like it was just fucking banger after banger and unlike some of the wwe pay-per-views or god forbid raws that you sit at where it feels like it's just slugging along um you never feel that with an aew pay-per-view unless it's just you're just dog ass tired like i was for uh double or nothing but I never was like, dude, can we fucking hurry up and get to the main event or anything like that? It was it was just fun from beginning to end. Um, <clears throat> the main show proper kicked off with uh, Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, and Minoru Suzuki versus Eddie Kingston, Wheeler Yuta, and Shooter Umino. Uh, Umino, I'm saying that wrong. It's Umino, Red Shoes' son, and he was fucking awesome. That guy... He reminds me not only with like his look, but just everything about him reminds me is like the second coming of Tanahashi. Like, and I realize those are gigantic shoes to fill, but like when you look at this dude, he's got something. And, um, yeah, sky's the fucking limit for that dude. Eddie Kingston, you know, we love Eddie Kingston on this show. Minoru Suzuki. How fucking great is it? You know, just just his entrance. You know, he comes down with that song, Kazaninare. It's like, oh, dude, fucking awesome. Um, this Jericho Guevara and Suzuki got the win in that one. It's just fucking great. I love when Kingston and Suzuki both got in the ring together and Kingston immediately like, takes the straps down and they have like chop battle. Um <sighs> Fucking great. Um, what after that it was the Rapungi Vice versus the United Empire match. Um which oh Rapungi Vice versus United Empire versus FTR. It was the unification, not the unification. It was a winner take all. The winner's gonna walk away with the IWGP tag team titles and the ROH tag team titles. And pretty early in the match, uh Dax 
goes to the outside and looks like he's got a shoulder injury. They're running out there right away. They're like looking at his shoulder. I thought they were going to try to pop the fucking thing right in right there. Um, and then they kind of walk him to the side. You couldn't see it on camera, but he like gets down on this carpeted area and he's like banging his feet. Like if this is not, I've read that it's not a legit injury, but if it's not, he sold the shit out of it just for the guys in the audience. Um, he goes to the back, you know, 10 minutes later, comes back all taped up and FTR go ahead and win the titles. It was fucking great. Um, Pac versus Miro versus Malachi versus Clark Connors who it was supposed to be Tomohiro Ishii. Um, I'm not sure if he popped a positive COVID or if he had travel issues. I think because Hiromu Takahashi was supposed to be on this card later, and I think he had COVID symptoms. I'm not sure. But Clark Connors, who I didn't really have high expectations for, I do remember seeing him now as a young lion, you know, just in the black trunks and stuff. Um, but you know, he got his, this is how you get over your baby face. You get tossed around, you get your ass kicked for 10 fucking minutes and then you fire up. And, uh, by the end of that match, there was a lot of people that were Clark Connor fans. Um, Pac is the one, however, that ended up winning the championship that all American or all Atlantic championship. Um, but that was a great, great match. I, I really dug that one. Um, then we got the bullet club. This is the match that got, you know, a little bit of a tweak into because Hiroma wasn't able to make it bullet club, which was, um, young bucks and El Fantasmo. They had Hikaleo on the outside. He was supposed to be in the match versus Darby Allen sting and Shingo Takagi. I loved, you know, you got your, your Shingo entrance first. Then you had Darby skateboard down, uh, stings music hits. He's nowhere to be found. Then they show a fucking, they show a, a spotlight into the rafters and somebody dressed as Sting was up in the rafters, but then the lights go out again and then the light goes over to the entrance ramp and Sting's on top of the entrance ramp and jumps off that motherfucker and we were underway and that was that was a fun match. Um, Tony Storm versus Thunder Rosa. I'll tell you what, I thought after Thunder hit that fire Thunder driver and didn't pick up the win that she was going to lose her title. Thank Christ she didn't. Um, and that was a really a, a really good match for what I saw. Um, unfortunately, not to be a dickhead. Didn't even plan it this way. Uh, me and Adam did did have to use the old the old uh, latrine during that one. But we came back, saw most of, most of the end. I thought it was fucking great. Um, Orange Cassidy versus Will Ospreay may have stolen the fucking show. I don't think a lot of people had a whole lot of uh, expectations for that. Um, but fuck, that was a great match. Like, go back and watch that. And then we saw Claudio make his debut against Zack Sabre Jr. Fucking awesome match. And that could that that was one of the best matches on the show. Like, this, this show was an all-time great show. Then you got the four-way for the IWGP world title. Jay White versus Adam Cole versus Hangman Page. Versus Okada, and although the 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 finish was a little bit weird, um, I've heard that Adam Cole was kind of knocked silly in that one. I, I don't know what was supposed to happen, but something definitely felt a little bit weird in the match. But Jay White walks out still, IWGP 
uh, world heavyweight champion, and it was fucking great. And then the main event, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus John Moxley for the AEW Interim Championship, and that son of a bitch didn't disappoint either. Um, I don't know how Mox got busted open, but pff, that guy was bleeding like a motherfucker. Um, I, I, I can't have any more positive things to say about that show. Um, from beginning to end, it was entertaining. You never felt like you were slogging through a, a match to get to another match. Just fucking incredible. Um, I wish Adam was here to, to, you know, tell me his thoughts on it. But I th- I've look, I've done my best. I've sat here. I've babbled. It's been over an hour. Um, can't wait for Adam to be back next week. Um, any other little bits and pieces of news we'll get we'll get to next week. But man, pro wrestling is fucking awesome. Uh, they did have a banner hanging up in the arena that said the date, I believe, September fourth for All Out. It did not say in Chicago. Um, I think it is going to be in Chicago. I think that they weren't going to promote another arena inside the United Center. I think it's going to be right where it has been at the Now Arena, which is aces in my book because that is literally an hour and 10 minute drive for me and Adam. Um, shout out to Vince Averill from the, we watch wrestling podcast. Uh, we met up with him briefly at warrior wrestling. We were trying to link up after the show. Um, but we had to, we had to scoot back to town. I had to get the kids to summer school in the morning. Adam had to work in the morning and, uh, all in all, I mean, we were in our own beds at 1245 after a pay-per-view that got done with at about 11. So, um, they, those guys, we watch wrestling podcasts, check them out. Um, they drop a show every Wednesday. They have a live show coming to the Beat Kitchen all out weekend, um, the Saturday beforehand. Get tickets for that. And uh, until then, until next time, until Adam returns, until I got my partner back, we will see you next week. Watch some wrestling. Enjoy yourselves. Uh, be kind to one another. Just be a good person. Give it, give it. Bigger than Jesus, and bigger than wrestling, bigger than the Beatles, and bigger than breast implants. Bigger than Jesus, and bigger than wrestling, bigger than the Beatles, and bigger than breast implants. Bigger than guns, bigger than cigarettes. 